0: and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com
1: Shut up and sit down.
2: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. We've got another great episode for you today. Today we're talking to Brett Weist from... Tioga Rise Coffee. And, uh, you know, we don't do too many company endorsement podcasts, um, mainly because we don't want to put our name on anything that, you know, we're not 100% behind or we don't want to lead you guys in the wrong direction. Um, you know, this is a product that we use when we are out, um, in Idaho on our elk trip. And it's something that we really like, and they're friends of ours, good guys. Um, Wanted to get their name out there a little bit and uh, just talk with them a little bit, bit about hunting. Uh, they're from Pennsylvania and, uh, you know, their their experiences in the elk woods and kind of how the product came about. But, um, you know, it's instant coffee. And uh, Brett, he said, uh, for any of our listeners, uh, if they wanted a sample, just to shoot them an email, Brett, B-R-E-T, at TiogaRise, T-I-O-G-A-R-I-S-E.com. And uh he'll ship you guys out some samples. So uh really, really great for uh for you guys to, you know, just get a chance and to to try it for yourself and uh as you see in the episode we kinda of talk about uh you know, finally a, a instant coffee that doesn't suck. So um um also wanna give a shout out to our latest Patreon, Brad Strope. Um, he's with Valor Outdoors TV, so check them out. Their hunting channel focused on veterans and first responders. Um, and then our Patreon giveaway—I've had a lot of questions. Um, apparently, I did a very poor job of explaining kind of what Patreon is. Um, I, I know we did it on some of the other uh, intros and the other podcasts, but it's kind of like a crowdfunding thing. You know, it helps us out with, uh, the costs associated with hosting the show and everything like that allows us to get some camera gear, get some, get some things we're working on a studio right now to do some, uh, streaming. Um, so you'd be able to, uh, we'll get back into the video podcasting like we, like we kind of started. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just helps us with, uh, every day-to-day things going on with the the show and to be able to continue to produce this and uh, can continue to grow the show. Um, and so if you are interested in something like that, because we're like, I say we're doing this giveaway for our Patreons and people are saying like, how do I get in on that? What is this Patreon? If you go to our website, um, if you do it on your phone, uh, it's com. There's a Bull Hunter chronicles guy in Arizona. Um, but, um, yeah, Bohunter Chronicles Podcast.com. You got to scroll all the way down to the bottom to the Patreon page. Um, it says donate with Patreon. Otherwise, you can just go to Patreon.com, P A T R E O N, and then just search Bohunter Chronicles Podcast. And why is that important? Um, so, right now, uh, probably by the time you're listening to this, we already have done it um, September 25th. So, when this podcast goes live that evening, uh, 9 o'clock. Eastern Time, uh, we're giving away uh, a bunch of stuff uh, f- to our patrons. You know, they they support us, and it's just uh, one of the things we're doing is quarterly giveaways. Um, this one's going to kick it off with and um, one of the new XOP Evolution stands, uh, some Vanguard binoculars, a Act bino harness, and uh, some of the the tethered um, Versa Strap minis that they sent us. So um, we're going to give that out to you know, one of our Patreons, we're just going to do a giveaway. I'm going to go live on Instagram. Um, like I say like nine o'clock, uh, Eastern time on, uh, September the 25th. So we're doing those every quarter. So we'll do one right around Christmas time and, um, we'll do that. Um, so that's just one of the things, like I said, I didn't do a very good job of explaining, you know, what it was. Um, so I apologize to you guys for that. Um, and, uh, you know, if that's not your your thing, you know, no big deal. Um, like I said, some people just want to know how they could help the show, and uh, that definitely, definitely helps us out. So um, other ways that you could help um, is just tell some of your friends. You know, if you heard one of the episodes that you liked, um, you know, or um, there was some good information, something that made you laugh, you know, just tell a friend or two. And uh, that helps us grow the show and it helps us reach more people. You can follow along with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. It's all Hunter Chronicles podcast. And, um, you know, whatever you're listening to this on, we've had a ton of new listeners um, in the last couple of weeks as hunting season starts to ramp up. And if you guys could give us a review, we want to hear it all, good, bad, any of it, um, because that's the only way that we can get better. And uh, we appreciate every single one of the listeners, and we do appreciate it. And as always, enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Adam, John, and Frank back with another episode of the Bow Hunter Chronicles podcast. Today, we're talking with Brett from Tioga Rise Coffee. Um, we met him through Jimmy McKinney and uh, service side and kind of, we met up with him at ATA and um, we're actually going to try to do a, a, a podcast at ATA, but man, you guys were super busy. You couldn't get any room in uh, edgewise. So how are you doing tonight, Brett? Doing great.
1: Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. <clears throat> yeah. How are you guys
2: so doing? We're, we're doing good. It's unseasonably warm here. So we're all sweating, okay. uh, drinking coffee you know <laughs> and beer but uh you know yeah, it was super
1: hot today in pennsylvania as well
2: so you're out of pennsylvania give us a little bit of background on kind of um you know what you do um and then you know kind of your background in and hunting and uh and all that sure, sure.
1: so i'm the uh, co-founder of uh, toyota rise coffee
2: uh we we
1: uh we 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 sell instant coffee only that's our only um product we're not into uh regular drip style or, or other other forms of k-cups or anything like that we it, we are simply instant coffee that comes in single serve packets um we just launched um uh, june of i guess last year 2018 so we're a relatively young company um and uh, uh based out of central pennsylvania um, direct, primarily, uh, what we sell now is direct to consumer. So it's all on our website, uh, but we are getting into some other online retailers that, that distribute for us and, and, and maybe getting the, into some retail as well.
2: Okay. And so how does that tie into the hunting industry and, um, you know, why are we talking to you today? <laughs> right. Yeah,
1: sure. Yep. Yeah. So, um, uh,
2: uh, born and raised in Pennsylvania, which is, uh,
1: you know, so grew up a, a hunter, which is much like you guys are out of Michigan, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, as you know, it's I think Pennsylvania and Michigan are like one and two or neck and neck for like the most licensed hunters. Um, so obviously, very popular. Grew up with it um, as a kid, and and so the idea for uh, instant coffee and how this all came about is I went on my first um, a buddy of mine. Uh, we went on our first elk hunt, uh, first time hunting out west, first time elk hunting um, in 2016. and we did a, uh, a backpack style hunt so you know in the uh, just living out of our backpacks and and all that for 10 days we, we flew into Idaho and everything and um, and I, I'm an experienced uh, backpacker and all that stuff, but it was the first time ever doing, um, anything like that, as far as hunting goes, um, you know, traditional. I, I'm, what I'm familiar with is traditional East Coast, uh, you know, style hunting, tree stands, and, um, in and outs for the day, not not you know backpack style. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm a big coffee drinker, and I was um, we, we were out there in Idaho in 2016, and basically, uh, he and I were drinking some other unnamed brand that I won't mention. (laughs) um, Basically just, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, uh, why is this? So we were drinking instant coffee because we wanted something that was easy and, and, and quick. And, um, I'm like, why, why is this it? Why, why can't there be a better tasting, you know, uh, instant coffee that, um, aligns with, with, you know, what I like to do in terms of hunting and, and supports that whole industry, um, and fishing and outdoors conservation and everything. Um, and so from there I came back from Idaho and kind of got to work in, in terms of figuring out the instant coffee industry and coffee in general and, and trying to uh, develop a better tasting, uh, uh, uh product. So, I have no background in coffee whatsoever or or food (laughs) sales or anything like that. So it was all new to me. Um, And just, uh, it was a a fun process. And finally got to the point where um, uh, my partner and I, uh, we
2: we, um, we found what we liked and then went to market with it. And so on that hunt, I mean, so we, we we're first exposed to your, your product there on the same thing. So we're, you know, I guess the Eastern style versus a Western style hunt. It was our first time. And, you know, I drink coffee. I don't know, out of like, um, boredom, I think, you know, (laughs) it's not like part of my like everyday ritual or routine or anything like that. John, on the other hand, it's like, it is,
3: (laughs) I have to have coffee every morning. I mean, I usually make, end up making a couple pots, so.
2: And so when we were going into that, you know, we, we came across the, you know, Jimmy's like, hey, we got this stuff. And we're like, hey, we'll give it a try when we go out there. And so I had some like, a, I had some old stuff that I had had from backpacking or whatever that was just old, <laughs> different Maxwell house or something. I don't even know what it was. And then John went. And he's like, well, I got to get a French press and head the whole, like, other side of it. And then to, I guess, I don't know, make things that much more difficult is we were doing the, um, like, the bulletproof style butter coffee um, every morning. And that's one thing that I would drink, like, that wasn't, like, out of boredom. That was, like, when when I'm at work, it's like, uh, you know nothing to do, like, I'm just drinking coffee all day because that's what I do. Um, Right. It's not like I have to get up and it gets me going and it's all that. It's like, well, fuck, I don't have anything else to do. I can't drink a beer, so (laughs) let's have have a coffee. Um, Yeah. But we were doing that butter-style coffee and um, you know, it was was trying to balance that and there's uh, Bulletproof makes, like, these little packets that have it all in a powder form, so it's already all I I don't know dehydrated I don't, I don't know how you dehydrate butter right you know? <laughs> no it was right. just in
3: a packet with mixed up you just dump it in so basically that's what we did with either i'd do it with the uh i'd make my french press coffee which ended up being a pain in the ass you know you gotta clean everything out and you got one i just had my jet boil so i was like man screw this let's just go with the so we ended up first adam gave me a couple of these uh I think they're prehistoric coffee packets because <laughs> the first one I opened up looked like it was it was all one chunk like crystals like I'm like oh, well, that's those. what it's
4: supposed to be man well no it wasn't because when the
3: next packet I opened up it was it was powdery and looked decent I'm like wow man this looks like yeah. rock candy and I'm crunching it but so I'm like hand over that Tioga Rise let's try that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so we did our own, like, in the field, which one of these is better type type things, and, um, right. you know, with, with John, like I said, he just had the one jet boil, and so that was, like, he wanted to make coffee, but then he wanted to make breakfast, and then it was, like, what a pain in the dick. Like, right. it was just so messy, and it, like, the amount of time that it took was, like, jeez, like, seriously. Right. So, I don't know what what were your like thoughts on it, John, as far as like the taste and flavor and and all of that, because it's oh. you know, like I said, you know, de- uh, dehydrated coffee, instant coffee is like already has that negative connotation, right? Like, oh, it's instant coffee, so it's supposed to taste like shit, I right? Mean, I think yeah. the
3: the pack, couple of those packets were Nescafe or whatever. Okay, yeah, yeah. those yeah. tasted like ass. So, but then once we started with the, the tiger Rise. actually i think i had a couple packets left when we got back and i drank those you know just at the house like normal coffee so i mean there were it was a hundred percent better coffee
2: yeah so uh, during that process of like learning how to do it, i mean what do you do as like a regular day job or whatever and how does that transition into like coffee or was it just like a whole bunch of like nerding out and you were just like so passionate that you had to 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 figure it out
1: yeah uh i'm gonna my day job is an attorney so i'm not like nothing (laughs) (laughs) nothing related to coffee whatsoever other than the fact that i'm the same like i drink it all day you know (laughs) uh, just because that's the way i am but um yeah, no, so it was just like complete like Googling and and just trying to talk to as many people as I can just to try to figure it all out. And, and you know, so many dead ends that, you know, I'm like, well, you know, this, this isn't going to work and just completely figuring it out from the ground up. No idea what I was doing.
2: <laughs> so for guys that have like, like, like I said, we love to talk to people that that all of a sudden decide that they have a, an idea, whether that idea is like a podcast or that they're going to make a better broadhead or they're going to, everybody's going to make a better something or other. Um That's why we like to talk to people that are like doers, you know, so like one of the things that we've set out to do with this podcast is from like a regular guy perspective, inspire people to get out there and, and do something, you know, take, take some sort of action. Um, and so where did you find the motivation through all of those dead ends? And I mean, cause I, I guarantee you, if I was probably in your shoes, I'd be like, you know what, this, this is probably, there's a reason that there's not any better coffee out there. Like, <laughs>
1: right. I was, I probably think that the, the biggest thing was that I, I realized that there was a need for, for something like this. And um, I, I really think that there's a, or thought there was a market out there for, uh, that was, uh, there was a big void um, for uh, instant coffee that tastes good and, you know, one that supported uh, hunting, fishing, conservation and kind of got into that niche um, as opposed to like, you know, some big box brand uh, uh, instant coffee that might be okay i really thought from a business perspective that there was uh, you know a really good opportunity here to develop a product um, and fill that need and I had always uh, always have an interest like you guys in doing stuff and um, being an entrepreneur and, and starting businesses and um, so you know that was just uh, this was just something that I from identified from a business perspective and um, it was interesting to me and it, it aligned with with you know uh, my own
2: interests so that helps too you know so <clears throat> yeah it definitely makes it easier if it's something that you you want to do you know yeah. um so from the business side of it uh, you know we had met you at ata um was that your first time at the ata show it was yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yep
2: and uh what was that experience like for um you know a being a first-time person at the ATA show as a hunter, and you know, kind of being in that environment, and then on the other side of that as being someone that's trying to, you know, because, uh, like I say, on some level, and you guys certainly weren't that. Like your booth was so busy, and I mean, hell, you were handing out coffee to a bunch of hungover people. So, I mean, it was, uh, <laughs> it, was uh, it was, it was worked great. <laughs> it was, it was definitely. uh very smart, uh, marketing thing on your part. But, um, you know, every time I walk by somebody that's, you know, there were people there selling like beef jerky and shit. Like that was their whole reason for being there. And every time I walk by somebody like that and I have no interest in seeing them, I feel like I'm like pissing on their dreams. So <laughs> like <laughs> being on your side of the, being on the the business side, like what did you think of it from like a consumer side? It's not a consumer show, but there's a lot of cool, cool stuff there and then being there on the, on the, on the business side, what was that like? Yeah.
1: From like a person who had never been there uh, to any kind of,
2: you know, archery hunting trade
1: show, um, you know, a non-public show, um, from a consumer's perspective, that was, uh, it was a bit overwhelming just to, to see all the different products and, and, uh, all these people coming together and everything like that. It was just uh, definitely a definitely unique experience for me that, um, you know, I, I, well, I guess I wasn't really prepared for, um, for it to be like that. I, I don't, but it was also. It also feels the hunting community feels it felt small to me. You know, I thought it would be a little bit uh, bigger in terms of um, the ability to access people and and the booths that were there. And it really wasn't like that. Um, you could pretty much go up and talk to anybody that you wanted to, um, which was kind of cool. Um, and then from the business side, it was uh, the response that we had was just, you know, as as you kind of said, that we are, we were busy, so it was uh, overwhelmingly positive, and we kind of we were kind of um, not sure how we would be perceived because, as you said, it's like coffee. Why are you? You know, what do you have to do with hunting, kind of thing. Um, so we had to explain that a little bit, you know, our story. But I think it just uh, helps add to the the marketability and, 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 you know, people like a story and things like that. So, um, but the response from the copy that we handed out was, you know, uh, overwhelmingly positive and we've had nothing but good, good feedback from, from that show. So that was a really, um, I'm glad we went and, uh, I think we plan to go again next year, January. So
2: looking forward to that. Yeah, we'll have to stop by. I'll give you two tips for next year. Your coffee yeah. was ten fucking million degrees, and <laughs> it was like <laughs> almost undrinkable. <Yeah. laughs> it was a little bit on the Kelvin uh, five thousand <laughs> Kelvin <laughs> uh, meter. So I don't know if you got that feedback, but uh, yeah, it was pretty. It
1: was Ooh. pretty hot. Um, and That's those- a good point. We did get a lot of people <laughs> that said, you know, you could probably cool this or serve this a little, little less hot. <laughs> but in, It doesn't uh, need to be the temperature of the sun. Right, right? <laughs> you don't need
3: any McDonald's incidents with the you know, lawsuits. Oh, no. so. <laughs> uh, Good point. <laughs> Thank you.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was great. And then the, you had those little uh, neoprene things, but the heat on that was cooking those neoprene things. So <laughs> for the first couple sips, it was kind of like tasted like uh plastic. So I was like, man, I was <laughs> like, Jimmy, I took them aside and I'm like, you know, you realize that this is <laughs> like heated up polyurethane and he's like yeah i didn't think about that it was nice to have these they have um like almost koozies for your um like a coffee cup for like a like you'd get at starbucks except for they were reusable and but they were brand new with like the new printed ink and then they were heated up to one hundred fifty thousand degrees so it was definitely putting out some vocs yeah
3: (laughs) yeah yeah, we, you know, these are the growing pains you go through. Yeah.
2: It, you are right. A, it's All a good thing you are an attorney. Though. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, like, so from that show, and have you guys done other like consumer shows? Then after that, or
1: uh, we we did one consumer show. We did the um, uh, the Great American Outdoor Show here in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, okay. which is like a super. It's like ten days long show. Um, so we were at that and that was good too. Um, and then we went, uh, what are we, we went to to, uh, Denver in July, uh, to a, another, uh, like a trade show, uh, called outdoor retailer, which is more of just like, um, it's not all hunting, uh, centered. It's just, you know, it's all, it's more of like the backpacker hiking, all types of outdoor industry companies there.
2: Okay. And so you keep talking about the outdoors and hunting and, and having that sort of tie in. Are you doing anything with like giving back to conservation or anything like that? Yeah. So, uh,
1: one of our models is a portion of our profits. Um, uh, we, we, we donate back to a different, uh, or, or conservation efforts and, and hunting and fishing uh, groups. So, um, you know, as a new company, we, limited obviously in the beginning and we hope we can grow in those efforts um, to give more money back and and Continue to do that um, as we grow in size and, and, and everything so um, I, Personally here I'm a member of the uh, board member of the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers of the chapter here in Pennsylvania um, is, and so uh, we try to be involved not only in terms of giving back money, but also Um, our time as well which is you know obviously just as valuable in some ways um, to be able to to do that so that's where we try to to help out where we can and and build on maintain our hunting population and and opportunities to do that so
2: yeah um, we've been approached by like the two percent for conservation and I've been trying to get in touch with them and get it set up. I guess it's a little bit different cause we're like a business or a entity or something like that. So it's not just like from a, a personal standpoint, but, um, yeah. you know, that's, that's a great, great thing. And for people that don't know, it, it is both of those things. So it's not just money. It's, it's a balance between time spent doing things like that and, and, uh, and money. So, so yeah. yeah, on that, um, the elk hunt that you went on, you know, how did that go? How did that whole thing play out? Uh, that was,
1: uh, I, I think we had, I think we did great. Actually. Um, we went with, so we went archery season. We went in September, um, right, uh, right around mid September. We had been planning it for like, you know, a year or so. Um, and, uh, the first, we, we had two locations, um, that we had narrowed it down to in Idaho that we were going to try. Um, the first one, we, we definitely, like, there was definitely, we got on tons of, tons of elk sign, tons of, uh, elk moving through there, but they weren't there when we were there. Um, we only saw one cow, so we moved there after about, uh, four or five days and then picked up on our second location, and one thing that we, uh, learned, um, that was somehow we missed or didn't pick up on was that um, certain trails in Idaho you can use motorized like bikes I'll call them like trail cycles or dirt bikes or whatever. So we're, we're the first spot we're hiking in like seven miles in, and then this motherfucker on a <laughs> like a two two wheeled like trail bike. I don't even know what they're called. It's like a dirt bike, but they have big They're They're smaller and they have big tires. And, um, he's blowing by us. <laughs> <laughs> we had no idea that you could even do that. So that was kind of a bummer. Um, so, so then the second location we went to, um, was, was foot access only. So that was much better in terms of pressure and everything. And, um, we actually got on elk then we got on a, 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 a nice herd and saw a decent bull and uh, made a move on them and uh, it didn't happen, but I was just excited that we, you know, we found elk and and we had an opportunity for our first time doing it. You know, I was I, I you know, I thought it was a success for us. Anyway, yeah,
3: right. that's kind of like what we uh, we ended up. Where do you guys go? We went to Idaho as well.
4: Did you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we. Uh, they were on the bikes that went by you. Uh, <laughs> <no.
3: laughs> Uh, no we were on we were on foot as well but
2: But yeah that was i mean almost identical story sans the bike because the first couple days there was elk tracks i mean elk pretty much walked by us in our sleep um but we just couldn't get on them
3: we were there in the beginning i mean right basically the day after the opener is when we started hunting and it was hot i mean it was 80 85 degrees for the first 4 days and, and we were down pretty low we weren't low down in the dark cool holes but we were like right in right no in man's the, land right, yeah right in the spot where the elk were like yeah we're not going to be there for a few days <laughs> <laughs> until it cools yeah. off but we ended up getting into elk and i mean did did a ton of calling and ended up having a really good uh, encounter with a really nice bull but it just didn't work out when we got him in the around 60 yards but there wasn't really a shot opportunity for Adam but did you guys end up calling we did yeah
1: we, they, the elk were mostly quiet though like we did not I expected to, to to for them to be a lot more vocal um for whatever reason that wasn't happening when we were there we I mean we did hear some bugling and we had some responses to our calling but um not not like I You know, anticipated what happened, particularly that time of year. It was awful hot when we were there too. It was unseasonably warm. Um, It did cool off towards the end, which helped us a little bit. We actually had snow at one point, but yeah, uh, we 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 got into some bugle, so that was nice.
3: Yeah, we uh, we I think we heard our first bugle on the fourth day, which was like Wednesday, and it was just ended up being a spike. And we we called him, and he came over, and and ended up the wind switched up on us. But then it was just a couple bugles. and we heard like a couple more on, you know, between Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We had a few that we'd heard at night. So then it was that Saturday morning when we got up there and we had heard a bugle on the way up and then that one didn't work out. We ended up blowing out basically a herd of cows and a spike. And then we got up on the top of the hill where we were originally planning going all week. And all of a sudden, a bugle cracks off down below us, and I'm like, well, I didn't even bugle at that point. So then I bugle. Then he answered back, and then he wouldn't shut up. We're like, so then we're confused. Like, man, this got to be a person because you know we heard a few bugles, but nothing like this. And so we almost, we actually sat down and
2: had our lunch. And John was ready to play Yankee Doodle Daisy. Yeah. He like literally, <laughs> literally stood up and said. I'm going to bugle Yankee Doodle Dandy and if it, it fucking answers back, it's definitely a guy. <laughs> and
3: Before we, I even got a, a note out, he bugles at me. I'm like, oh man. <laughs> then we ended up like, well, we better we better at least follow up with this. Well, What happened was it started trailing off down the, the bottom of the valley along the creek. And so we're like, yeah, it was a person because there was a horse trail down there and it it was the Porter's Trail it went back in like 25, 30 miles. So, and it was a Saturday morning. So I'm like, well, guys must be coming in and then, you know, they're. On horseback. Horseback. Just bugling. see if they can locate something, whatever. So it trailed off. So then like we sat there and finished our lunch, And all of a sudden like 10, 15 minutes later, it started coming back. You know, like bugled and it got close. And it was right down below us again. I'm like, well, let's let's just pack up and just go after this thing. So we started side-hilling and bugling. It started coming up. And then all of a sudden we heard this other bugle. It sounded like a dude bugling without a tube. I'm like, that's when I was, I just stood up and just walked out. Cause I was, had Adam go up about 60 yards in front of me. And I was back behind the big tree. And all of a sudden I heard that it ended up being a cow bugle is what it was. But I heard that. I was like, what the fuck is going on? These clowns are out (laughs) here. And so I just stood up and walked right out in the open, and then, like, not ten seconds after that, that thing ripped off a bugle that there's no human was gonna. It was like a dinosaur. <laughs> and I'm like, holy <laughs> shit! And then it was on. After that, and we we ended up chasing him down, and man, he was pissed off. He ended up having a cow cow with him, and I didn't see him. Adam Adam watched him, like crawl her up with his horns and just shove her up the mountain. So
2: it was a pretty awesome situation. Yeah, It was, I mean, it was great. And for us, neither one of us having ever all kind of, you know, going in there just from, you know, a little bit of information, you know, we got put in the area, but with, and just the maps and said, well, this spot was good. You know, it was a lot of like places circled on a map here and there and, you know, whatever you guys want to do, go figure it out on your own. And, um, it was just awesome. And I can tell you like right now I'm just like sick that we're not doing it. (laughs) Like, I don't know if you've had the same feeling, but it's like, you know, it's September and like everybody's out like elk hunting and, you know, seeing all these elk that people are killing and stuff. It's like, Oh my God, another year. Like I'm like already planning next year's hunt like (laughs) right now. So was that, was that your only elk hunt? Have you been back out yet? I haven't. That's been it. My buddy and I were just, uh, the guy went
1: out with, uh, last time uh, we were just talking this weekend that yeah, we we're planning we want to go again in 2020. So hopefully we can make that happen. Because um, you're right, once you um,
2: uh, once you do it, you just want to keep doing it again. It's a lot of fun. Well, it's just such a different experience than you know, like like you said, like an eastern hunt. You know, where you're sitting so in you're, a tree and you're in. waiting for something to happen instead of like right. going out there and making something happen. Like, it's just like now you've got a whole, you feel like you've got a whole nother like skill set that you're just wasting sitting here. So it's like, right. come on, especially watching all the people on social media, you know, we got Pat, <laughs> yeah. Pat and Amber out in Montana
3: and Tom, yeah. Tom and Sarah, and Sarah, in Colorado. and Man, I am, I am going back. I'm going to
1: Colorado this in October, taking my rifle this time now. So that'll be a different experience. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that'll, I've never been hunting in Colorado, so, um, uh,
2: we, we're going the second week of October. So soon <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just getting out there. It's, it's just so beautiful. So, um, logistically, right. So it's like a fricking, it'd be longer for you guys, but it was like a 30 hour plus drive for us, like logistically flying out there, like with all of your shit, like how does that work? How did you guys manage that?
1: Yeah, I thought that would be a lot. Getting so getting everything out there wasn't so bad. We just basically took, you know, our our backpack that we're living out of, our carry on, and shoved as much as we could in our bow cases, um, and that was pretty much it. And flew out flew out there with it. And that it really wasn't like I thought it'd be a real pain in the ass to go through, you know, TSA and all that crap with your bow, um, but that that was not an issue at all it was actually really smooth and uh there's like nobody in the Boise airport so you know that was (laughs) that was that was super easy the only real pain in the ass part is you got to rent a vehicle right and you know you're paying for that that's where you really you know get hurt doing all that stuff and and that's just a pain in the butt but um logistically it wasn't that bad now, we, had we killed something, I, you know, I may have a different story because <laughs> I, I feel like that would be a, such a pain in the ass to figure all that out. Um, and we really didn't have a plan for that. It was kind of just, if it happens, we'll figure it out. You know what I mean? So, um, I, if we, I would like to get maybe ch- another guy or, or four guys to go out next year and maybe we could make the drive because that it is a haul from from here we, pl- we like to go back to Idaho um but I would prefer to drive if we could make that work you know <clears throat> it's just getting off work you know that length of time can be difficult but
3: um yeah it's almost like a double edged sword you, you spend two days driving out or you could actually add two days to your hunt right you know, but well, it's two days
2: driving back too so I mean that, you could yeah, actually
3: so, so you add
4: four fun. days to your hunt right
3: yeah but, so yeah, we drove straight through 30 hours and it was, we ended up, you know, the last two hours of the drive were the worst because we're in the fricking mountains and we didn't know it at the time. It's pitch black. And when we left on the, you know, the next week during the daylight like holy shit we drove through here and i was like fall asleep we pulled over a couple <laughs> times where you know we were both like hallucinating like seeing weird shit and colors and looked like the rocks were were moving <laughs> and then we we drive through there on in daylight hours like holy shit we're lucky we we're alive
1: <laughs>
4: yeah you guys didn't drink enough of the coffee. <laughs> we <laughs> saved on, it for the... I'm just yeah. saying. I was, was drinking, drinking on the way.
3: I was drinking five-hour energies and monsters. <laughs> and, yeah. That's the other thing.
1: When you make that drive, you're almost if you don't have enough guys, you feel like crap when you get out there. And then, you know, that that hurts your hunting as well. Whereas flying, you kind of, you don't feel so bad. Yeah. You haven't sat in a truck for 30 hours.
3: Maybe uh, fly out and then rent a vehicle, uh, one way vehicle on the way back. <laughs> if you kill something,
4: like all right, well, that's what yeah. I was going to say. <laughs> Why did yeah. you guys deliver the the rental car in Pennsylvania? <laughs> <laughs> Why is there blood in the back? Yes. Of- <laughs> oh man, where, where, where's the body? <laughs> <laughs> He's in my freezer. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. It's pretty conservative out there in uh, Pennsylvania, yet, So I, I think you'd get away with it if you were driving to San Francisco or something. It might be a different, uh, <laughs> different story. <Yeah. laughs> More questions, right? Yeah. So Frank's been sitting here drinking the coffee all night, and he, you know, he had some of that molten shit at ATA. Uh, <laughs> but I think this is a better. Uh, um, it's
0: a better,
4: better uh, example. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I do like. Uh, 60 ounces before maybe noon every day you know (laughs) so yeah it's it's good stuff you know I'd, i'd definitely go after that yeah especially i mean like
3: you're saying when we're out in the mountains you know i like the french press and all but maybe for like an afternoon thing when you're not when you're just you want a fancy coffee or something but for getting up in the morning you're making your oatmeal and you want something quick and fast and no cleanup man that was yeah and it tasted great so yeah that was our
1: goal to develop something you know light and portable and and certainly much better tasting was the was the
3: number one on that list so yeah i'm glad you guys like it yeah appreciate the support the nest cafe or whatever you want to call that crap it was I was about ready to just take the packet and dump it in my mouth and quick swallow <laughs> it like a bad pill, you know, just to get the coffee. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh, man. So entering into the the coffee deal. So, like, everybody wants to have an outdoor brand of coffee. Um, some of it's good. Some of it's not. Uh, and then to have the, the freaking instant coffee. Like, what have been the hurdles that you've had to go – get past um like for this like what what questions do you have to like answer over and over again um uh, about you know what makes your coffee special or this that or the other thing um Uh, yeah so every
1: you know like you said everyone comes up with or most people at least come come to our product with the prior experiences that are bad with instant coffee so it's always like well you know what makes this good or, you know, what, what makes yours different or, so, I mean, it's really a matter of two things that, that I think sets us apart is the um, ingredients, uh, higher quality beans, better quality beans, and the process. Um, Just to kind of give you some background, generally, um, most instant coffees are made with Uh, a lower quality bean therefore a you're getting a lower quality product and the process that they use is is a method that doesn't um it's just the most efficient but not necessarily the most uh, the the best way to uh, preserve you know the the tastes and oils and all that stuff so um most coffee is made with most instant coffee is made through like a, it's called like a spray drying process, which is essentially um, blasting uh, roasted coffee at a, a high pressure, you know, that, that essentially freezes it and and, or, and, and creates um, the fine particle coffee. And the, the method that we use is called freeze drying, uh, which is basically uh, roasted brewed coffee, um, that is, uh, frozen, um, uh, rather quickly under very, uh, cold temperatures. So it's the, uh, it's a better way of preserving the tastes and the, uh, aromas, uh, that you would expect in a, a normal, good tasting, uh, cup of coffee. So, um, that's kind of what makes us better you know is, is is it's it's really primarily two things is um, ingredients and process and you know that's pretty that's that's where we that's where most other companies don't take the time
2: to do that so and is that like a more th- their way is just more cost effective or whatever so they're they're just trying to Exactly. Yeah. Because it
1: is, it's time consuming. Um, it's more labor intensive, uh, to, to, uh, do it, uh, you know, the better way,
3: the, the better
1: tasting way. I'll say.
3: So basically like most people are drinking just instant coffee every day. It's just like a convenience and a, and an economical thing where, you know, with, with your product, like the guys that are going out West or even campers or whatever, that want a good product are willing to pay a little bit more for, you know, for a better quality item, you know, so. Yep,
1: exactly. So we've had to do a lot of, uh, you know, we've been trying to just have as many people try our coffee as we can just to try to break the stigma uh, associated with that. A lot of people have um, and associate with instant coffee, you know, that ours doesn't suck and it's, you know, better tasting. So that's, that's been a big, hurdle that we've had in terms of just educating people that instant coffee doesn't have to suck. Um, and it can taste good. So, um, it's, it's kind of basic is one of our biggest challenges. really.
4: Was it, was it just basically through research so that you figured out the process then? Yeah. I
1: mean that, and I mean, it's, it's more involved than, than I'm, than I'm making it sound, but yeah, that just lots of, uh, Uh, research and taste testing and sampling and trying different ways and um and ultimately reaching uh, a point that we were satisfied
2: with the product and and decide to go with it so if people want to try out your product um how do they go about doing that or where can they find it or you know how how do they how do they get their hands on a a packet or 10 or whatever
1: yep so we are uh Direct to consumer, all right now. So, we only sell off of our our website, only then, or uh, only then, a couple other online retailers. Um, We sell it in packs of uh, 15 and 30. Um, And we also sell it in single packets. You can buy it that way as well. Um, 15 packs are 19 bucks, 30 pack is 29. And then we have to also have a subscription uh, starting, you know, like a monthly subscription if people want to do that. Um, and then if, you know, if anybody wants, anybody listening to this podcast wants to get in touch with me somehow, uh, my email is brett at tiogarise.com. I'd be glad to, you know, send out some samples to people if they want to try, um, you know, no cost and hook them up and. Let them see that instant coffee doesn't have to suck. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that should be the slogan. That's what I was thinking. I was just
1: like, <laughs> ours doesn't oh, suck. Ours <laughs> doesn't suck, right?
4: <laughs> <laughs> so, so one packet makes uh, well, how big a cup?
1: Yep. So one packet is dissolves in eight to ten ounces of hot or cold water. Um, I did. I haven't mentioned that yet. So, um, if you are into you know cold coffee, it does dissolve um, in, in cold liquids as well. So, um, a lot of people, you know, like drink it that way too. So you can do that. Um, but generally, yes, we what we say one packet to eight to 10 ounces
2: of, of liquid. Yeah. And you know, one thing I didn't even think about with that, I mean, I didn't know that it did the iced coffee and, um, you know, for people that just want convenience, even if you're just like, going out for an all-day sit or something like that, and you've got water and you're, you know, starting to get tired or whatever, you can just whip up a thing of that in your water bottle or whatever. But, you know, like, when we were talking to Greg Litzinger, he was talking about, like, when he went out west, and there's a lot of guys that are doing the no-stove type thing, so they're not doing mountain house, they're not doing – everything they're doing is just going to be cold, cold prep. prep. Mm. Um, yeah. so that way you can still get your coffee, get a decent tasting coffee and a, a good experience. Right. Um, yeah. you know, something that's actually dissolved and you're not chewing it like John was talking about, um, <laughs> you know, just, uh, just with that. So that, I mean, I think that that goes a long way as well too. Yeah, sure. so. Yeah. so you can at least get your caffeine fix
1: if nothing else.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so do you have that information? So how much caffeine is in one of these uh, packets? Well, I've never had it tested, to be honest with you. But, I I mean, it's it's comparable to a normal cup of coffee
1: is what I would say. But it's not. I've never actually had it
2: tested to see what the caffeine levels are, to be honest with you. Frank's over here. It looks like he's having a seizure, so it's got to be pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, are you all right? I'm good. I'm
1: good.
2: Do you? Oh, <laughs> so what's been your most you know you you said that you grew up in pennsylvania hunting that it was your first um you know time elk hunting or whatever what's been your most exciting or memorable archery hunt
1: um uh, most exciting i don't know if i could pick just one but i you know me i love i love october's here in pennsylvania and going um uh, up north northern pennsylvania whereas I have a cabin up there. My father-in-law does. Um, it's uh, it's located in uh, uh, Tioga County, which is uh, basically the um, is where I came up with the name for Tioga Rise. So that's the kind of the inspiration um, is that that's where our, where our cabin is located, and where I spend most of my time uh, in the fall hunting, and, and so that's that's where I like to be in October. Anytime that I'm up there um is memorable to me and uh, i just uh, i try to get up there almost it's about three hours from my house it's uh probably some of the most remote country we have here in pennsylvania's um it's just beautiful and uh, that's, that's so
4: is, is that uh public land or private uh that's on the cabin there it, the cabin itself we only have about a
1: couple acres there so i'm okay. primarily on uh 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 state state owned land, uh, which is about ten, fifteen minutes away from where we're at. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the situation like there in Michigan for
3: free for all a public <laughs> land? <laughs> <laughs>
2: we actually have quite a bit. I mean like yeah, yeah. I like, think Jason Meekoff he just was spouting back at somebody that said there's nowhere to hunt in Michigan and I think he said that was like eight million acres. Right. Um <laughs> He needs to
4: come and uh, ride around
2: with us for a day. <laughs> <laughs> Frank will show you every single piece of public here
3: in lower Michigan. And upper two. <laughs> That'll take <Yeah>. two days. <laughs> like just south of us in the, you know, Muskegon River flats, right. there's like over 5,000, you know, acres there in the public land. And then Manistee National Forest, there's, wow. I mean, that, that reaches from literally a mile from my house all the way up to... Just south of Traverse City. I more mean, those, so it's
4: like forty-seven thousand, isn't it? In the oh, one on. one deal, it's more it, than it, that. Yeah, just in one block. Yeah, the, like continuous yeah. touching, but yeah,
3: yeah. There's probably close to a million in that. Oh yeah.
4: But yeah. I know the one comes up. You know, like forty-seven thousand yeah. acres. You know, I mean, that's
3: so we have we have quite a bit of public land, but there's also quite a bit of pressure too. Right. I mean A lot of the, you know, a lot of the spots. I mean, some of the stuff is pretty hard to access. So the, yeah. the easy stuff, obviously, they're you know, well, it's a parking lot. <laughs> so
1: all right, yeah, that's what we deal with a lot of here. Like I, I said before, I think you know, Pennsylvania, Michigan are you know one and two or top five or something like that for license sales uh, for hunters and pressure here is you know you you gotta. You gotta walk to get away
2: from it. So, what's the terrain like up there? I mean, I guess when I think of you know the Tioga Rise and and I guess I just think about maybe because we are exposed to it, like in the mountains. But is I mean, and there's hill country in Pennsylvania, right? I mean, what's the terrain yeah, it, like up there?
1: It's 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 mountainous and uh, very steep. Uh, it's actually home to. Uh, we call it the Pennsylvania grand Canyon. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's like a, uh, it's a pretty, it's like a gorge that cuts through the mountains. And so it's, it's it's some of the steepest, uh, terrain that we have in Pennsylvania. Um, very mountainous. Yeah. Not, not, not a lot of farm land up there.
2: (laughs) Yeah. We don't do a lot of farmland around us. Um, it's, Mostly marsh and swamp, but we don't have any elevation, so to speak, anywhere around here.
3: Nothing like that. No, just no. rolling hills. Maybe. Well,
4: you get yeah, you get up to your fifty-five up that way, right up oh, in Manistee. Yeah,
3: you know, actual Manistee County. There's some yeah,
2: pretty decent. Do you guys hills. hunt
1: private and public, or mix them both, or what do you guys do? Uh,
2: basically, yeah. public. I mean, we I've got uh my family has two hundred and forty acres um about seven and a half eight hours from us so it's like a once a year type pilgrimage up there but yeah that's all the way up in the upper peninsula so
4: that's over near the wisconsin border
3: there's probably more wisconsin boys hunting your property than (laughs) michigan
2: (laughs) and riding bikes (laughs) yeah Yeah, we're uh it's eight miles from wisconsin and it's just one of those Spots yeah. where, I, you know, I was talking to somebody on social media here recently, and it's like, you know, to, to go up there and really branch out on the public, um, we used to do that a little bit when we had a, a you know, when I used to rifle hunt when, when I was a kid, and there'd be 10, 15 guys in our camp, and it was really awesome uh, Michigan deer camp type experience, but the hunting wasn't great, and then you were forced to kind of go out into the public land. And like, so my grandpa grew up up there and, you know, they had spots that they used to go to. Um, But when you get up there, it's so, I don't know. You feel like you have all your eggs in one basket. You've got a week or a, a long weekend for four days or something like that. So to go and try and seek something out, it's a, yeah. Other than like where you're used to hunting or like, you know, it's, it's really difficult to, be adventurous when you're on such a small like truncated timetable um so like this year frank's going to missouri and then to nebraska and it's like six hours to uh, to missouri where they're gonna hunt and it's like seven and a half to go up to our property in the up so it's like i have a lot more i don't know bigger dreams hopes of missouri um and i can spend a lot more time i mean I could spend just as much time on Onyx and break down the same thing to go to our cabin in the UP, but. And you know the, you know, you might have a chance at a
3: 100-inch buck or, you know, yeah. something mm-hmm. there. But just like we've said it before, like when we we go to Ohio and hunt, we drive six hours there, and you're in, you know, Adam killed a 150-inch buck there. Mm-hmm. So we're not, you know,
2: I mean, and we how many did we see that were, like, in that class? Right. right. And so so it's, it's just a little bit different. So, I mean, we're mainly public land and we're within, you know, an hour, hour and a half of where we live. So it's, you know, easier to go out and do scouting and do some walkabouts and kind of get things figured out a little bit. Then Frank, on the other hand, he just, he'll just go and I went here once as a kid (laughs) <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he'll, he'll shoot something. It's all all public.
3: Yeah, it's like our turkey
2: hunt this spring. Is that yeah, your?
4: Is this the
1: first time going to Missouri?
4: Is that what you said? Yeah, uh, it'll be it'll be our first time going to Missouri. Yeah. 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 well, actually, the second time. The first wasn't a very good experience. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was that was a scouting
3: session. <laughs> this, yeah, this yeah summer a hunt. <laughs> 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 it's a good thing.
2: <laughs> yeah. I've heard good things about deer quality there yeah we our last episode here we've got a a good friend who's uh leased some property out there and um he killed like a 200 and their uh rules on their property i think is 150 um yeah. we're gonna be out well, in public out there well, that but that I mean...
4: wasn't that wasn't his piece though he originally lease or well he didn't even lease it they they had a 90 acre uh farm that the guy said, if you do some work for me and stuff like that, I'll let you hunt it. And he killed it. Was it 205?
2: Yeah, it was the 204.
4: 204. But this thing is just a giant. Like that. Just a giant.
2: So it was a barter. There. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah,
4: that was. That was a barter deal.
2: But And it's always nice to get like out of state, out of your comfort zone. And I, I don't know, just the same thing as going out west. Is I, I feel like, you know, if you're, again, there's, there's no difference, right? Uh, then if I go up to the UP, it's seven hours. I should be investing more time into that. I should be, but it's like one of those, I don't know, comfortable hunts. Like, and so it's like, oh, we've got a nice camp up there. where We can sit back and we're going to, we're going to have a, a deer camp experience where if you go out, like when we went out, you know, Elk hunting, it was like all elk hunting all the time. There was no like downtime where we were like, well, you know, let's go over here. Let's, let's go see Let's them. go do this. Like, there was no, there was no. And, you know, when you go up to the, our property, the UP, it's always like, well, you're, we got the whole crew up here. So now we got to split wood and we got to right. brush hog right. and we got to do this. And, I so, cook for them. So, <laughs> so you know, and the same thing. Like, when we went to Ohio, you know, everybody's like, you know, Oh, it must have been nice. And, you know, you, you know, your wives or girlfriends or whoever is saying, you know. A vacation. Yeah, it's just a vacation. It's like we got up at 3 in the morning and got back at, like, 8 o'clock and then still had to make dinner and, like, <laughs> finished your dinner, like, in your, like, I slept on the couch. So I was, like, in my sleeping bag, finished my dinner and just lay down and, you know, then wake up in a few hours and go back and do it, like, We were there to hunt, and that was it. There was no really relaxing. There was no anything (laughs) until until, you guys killed your deer. Yeah. It was uh, 130 beers in one night. (laughs) Yeah. Well, (laughs) uh,
4: six guys. (laughs) Just show them how the Michigan guys do. Six guys,
3: right? Yeah, but I didn't even. I think I drank two beers that (laughs) night. Well, I made up for years. Yeah. (laughs) I had some (laughs) years. I woke up. I had picked up a 30 pack of Bush Light, and on and got up in the morning and it was like it's gone the other cases are gone and there wasn't anything we lost. drank every every Everything building we had yeah
4: <laughs> um the i have a question about the Pennsylvania uh say the public land uh, how much does the DNR get involved in in uh say you know food plots stuff like that uh there
1: are some uh, out, you know uh, food plots that uh the game commission, uh, manages and responsible for, it. but it's definitely not, at least my, in my experience, it's not a big investment on their part or something they, uh, really, um, you know, are looking to do. I don't think they're that interested in it, to be honest with you. Yeah.
4: Do, do you guys have to register your deer too for, uh, when, when they're killed? Uh, no, no. Like check, like, what do you mean? Like when you, when you have to report in, report in Ohio has a, has a uh, number you call and you have to give the, the, how it was killed, when it was killed, where it was killed, you know, the, the township, the, the county, everything, what it was, you know, what it was killed with
3: reporting system. Right. (laughs) You know, and that's a mandatory requirement for, for uh, any deer.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean that's not something that we have to do. No.
4: Uh, see, Michigan is the same way. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now for bears, I don't know. We, we they
1: you have to take them in Pennsylvania. You have to take them to a check in uh, a station a check station yeah. right away, and uh, uh, at least it, during the firearms during rifle season or archery season, um, separate archery season. You have to, I guess. Uh, Call or, or somehow get in touch with them to figure all that out. So they're a little different, but as far as deer go, no, it's not
3: not a, a mandatory requirement. <clears throat> so on your archery season, you said, it starts on October one. Um, like we have, our archery season starts October first, and then it cuts off at November fifteenth. And our rifle season goes for from November fifteenth to December first. Then our archery starts back up for another month. How does your uh, archery season and gun season work? Yeah,
1: we pretty much follow the same uh, same pattern. We have a, a archery season that opens up in early October and then goes through. I think it is the that's that last uh, looking at my calendar. I think it's the sixteenth this year. Um, and then we have a uh, three day, four day uh, bear rifle season in between, and then uh, and then deer 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 rifle starts up uh, just after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then we have uh, that that goes for two weeks, and then we have a late season uh, archery that opens up the day after Christmas and runs through the first couple of weeks of January.
3: Okay. On that note, what uh, what is your archery setup?
1: I have i uh, I'm shooting a prime synergy. I think it's two years old at this point. Uh, black gold three-pin sights with a, uh, the bottom one's a slider. And uh, I'm shooting actually same arrows i bought a bunch from when i went out elk hunting in 16 same arrows from 16 carbon express uh, small diameter pile drivers and then i think uh, uh, well i know the, the broadheads i'm shooting they're, called, they're uh tooth of the arrows i think they might even be from michigan or
2: something i can't remember where they're out of but yeah they're no. not from michigan i think they might be from indiana uh, Is that what they're from? Okay. Not sure. I I shot those. Uh, so when we went out to Idaho, probably the same story. Like you had to shoot a fixed blade. Fixed blade so you're yeah, right. Um, yep. That's what I went with. And I mean, ha- have you killed a lot of animals with them? Sagan, have you have you killed a lot of animals with them? I
1: I haven't. No. Um, so I haven't had. I think I shot one one doe with them so far, and I haven't. So I haven't had a lot of experience with how they. How
2: they do. Have you? Well, it, so I got them last year, and, uh, yeah. I mean, if I was, like, I, I said it on here before, like, you know, broadheads, the, every company says that they're the best broadhead in the world. Yeah. And they're the best broadhead until they're not, right? So, right. So, it, it's never your fault. It's always the broadhead's fault or, <laughs> you know, whatever. But, um, last year, I shot two bucks, and they collectively went less than 100 yards. I mean, I watched them both die. Um, so if I was the poster child for tooth of the arrow, man, they're the best broadheads on the on earth, but you know, one of them, I didn't get a pass through. I, I mean, I shoot them in the, I shoot them in the back and the <laughs> neck and you know, I, I take Throw. the shot, my, my, I had a, I had this mentor one time, um, he said, you know, you got to get a few under your belt and you got to get an arrow in them. And so that's, that's kind of, uh. It's kind of my philosophy sometimes, you know, you take the shot that you're presented. Um, so I shot the one right between the shoulder blades, basically, and yeah. uh, it it went 30 yards and tipped over. And then the other one I shot just absolutely perfect. And nice. uh, it went 50, 60 yards and tipped over. But both of these deer I shot in water. And so there wasn't, I mean, I didn't have to track any of them, so I wasn't looking for a blood trail. I watched them both die. So I, I'm not a good... Uh, example either that's why i was asking you because i'm like you know i don't know about blood trail or like whatever it's It's, shot placement was (laughs) was key in my my defense (laughs) (laughs) i mean they seem solid to me yeah um yeah
1: but like you said they're all everyone says they got the best so
3: (laughs) right i mean they they tuned well they shot good you know so
2: yeah
3: yeah his is my
2: voice of reason over here (laughs) he's saying you know (laughs) they you know they're good you're good. <laughs> I, I can't, I yeah. can't, I can't discount them. So, all right. but yeah. yeah, man, um, really great coffee. I mean, and it's something that I think we're going to continue to use. It's not something, you know, if I'm the, our next trip out West and, you know, for, for my trip over to Missouri this year, it's definitely going to be in my pack for, for my all day sits and, and everything like that. So what you guys are doing over there is great, you know, we appreciate, you know, what you're doing, and you know, not making coffee that sucks. So, <laughs> <laughs> just cool it down. A little do, our, like that, so. do our best. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: appreciate you guys having me on. I appreciate the support. And, uh, let me know if you run out of coffee. Yeah. Sure.
2: Um, when? Uh, where can people get a hold of you? Like I said, because it's. Uh, you, you said you gave out your email. You want to give that one more time? And, and Yep, you know. my email is uh, Brett,
1: and it's B R E T one uh, T at. Uh, tiogarise.com uh, at our website is uh, tiogarise.com and obviously we're on Instagram and, and Facebook and all that too so you can find us there <clears throat> awesome right. man appreciate it Yep.
3: I think that's all we got for all today right. so good luck on your Colorado hunt yeah. even though it's with a gun <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> thanks so. appreciate it good luck with all your seasons guys yeah, oh, yeah, for sure one.
4: with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby, 6'8 Western. Oh, a mule there, baby, right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.